Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the From Free. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Adam Boltwood. Joining me, as always, is the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Hey, how you doing? I've also got the stat man himself, Dave O'Brien. Hello. We have just finished an epic three-hour live stream on the Football Republic. It went a bit over time because of the, uh, the the Bayern Munich Juventus game. Very exciting stuff, guys. I'm glad they went over. It was enjoyable. Probably one of the best knockout games in a while, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, well, it swung pendulum. I think uh, Allegri got his tactics spot on at the, the start. Uh, the system that he played was perfect. Uh, it's interesting to see that it was a, a copy of Thomas Tuchel's system that played Bayern a few weeks ago, but it, it felt like the momentum sort of left uh, Juventus when Mandzukic came on. Massive criticism of Mandzukic in the game. Murata was brilliant in the first half. Pogba was really good, uh, sort of linking with him. But then I think after the first Bayern goal, you could see the massive swing, the, the you know simple goal, got the ball wide, cross it into the box. But then... Sort of like not the fight out of, not the stuffing out of Juventus in a way, and they just couldn't respond. And it, it looked like Bayern from that point. It looked like Bayern were going to win the game. Mm, two 0 at half time, wasn't it? To Juventus, uh, ended up camped out on their own penalty area towards the end of the game. Um, but then they had been camped out in their own penalty area for a little while because yeah. that was their tactic. But the problem was that before they had an out, Mandzukic just basically almost. I mean, they, what, you know, he just didn't give them that out, did he? What did you make of uh, Kingsley Coman? Or, or, you know, he scored the final goal. It's audacious. And then he was also involved in the first goal, the pass back to Douglas Costa, who yeah, put the cross in. And, on loan from Juve. Yeah. Controversial uh, hero. Well, I mean, he's on loan with a view to buy him. Yeah, it's probably an FFP thing that yeah, they're yeah. getting around in a way where you loan the player and then you'll sign them next summer. Yeah. But you probably would have paid half the fee and it's in a contract that you're going to pay the rest of it. So I think it's around 30 million euros. But. Yeah. Obviously a very talented player, good, was very good against at the weekend for Bayern, he's got two assists in that game. So he's, he looks like he's, he's getting a, a bit of form. He's a baller. A Piotr, Piotr Gala on Twitter, at Peter Polish, said, how do you feel about the ref wrongly disallowing the Juve goal and gifting Bayern a berth in the quarterfinals? Well, it's big. I wanted Juventus to go through, obviously. It's, uh, Dave's very upset. Yeah, I, I like Juventus this year. They're, they're, a team, they're a team that you... They're very good to watch. You should go and check them out in Syria now. They're out the Coppa Italia, but... They're a very attacking team. They they dribble the ball a lot. They create lots of chances, uh, and they have got two of the best youngsters in world football, Paul Bogba and Dybala. But I feel like the, you know they've uh, the goal uh, whether it was or wasn't supposed to be disallowed really did you know swung the game in a way. If they'd scored that, that was in a way tie over. You'd say. Here's an interesting question from Michael Filetti. He said, "How close slash far are Juve to the elite three in Europe? The elite three being Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and Real." Now it's interesting because it looks like Allegri is going to be staying this summer but the futures of a number of players are going to be up in the air now I mean namely Paul Pogba even Paolo Dybala maybe yeah um, but I, I still think I mean Dybala's probably less of a, uh, a, a an option but I think Paul Pogba has been an option that a lot of people have been considering for a while and Juve would definitely consider taking offers for him but the point is that Juve don't have to accept them they're not in any great financial difficulty mm. they want to build themselves as an institution and Paul Pogba's essentially also been built by Juve because they took a chance on him. Not, so. not really, a, not really a chance. I wouldn't say, but a definite talent and ability. But they, you know, they went in for him and they went in for him hard. And they got the, they they obviously picked him up on a free transfer. But what what's quite interesting regarding that is, if they get a big enough offer, why not sell him? If they're going to get eighty million for him, and then they can re put that money back into the club. Because what we've seen is they've signed young players very well. Storaro that came off the bench today. He's only twenty three years old and he's one of the best central midfielders coming up in Italy. And 
uh, Dominico Barabi, who is the you know in terms of attacking players up there, top three players under twenty three in Europe. You'd say he's got such talent. They've got Regani at the back. That's another young Italian defender that's played that last season played every single minute of Empoli's um, campaign, and they had a very good defensive record. So again, Juve have kept this model going where they sign players like Pogba, like Kingsley Coman, like Dybala, like Marata, young talented players, and then they they sort of you know bring them through this Juve sort of system with the old heads of Benucci, Chiellini, Buffon, Evra. The blend of youth and experience is perfect for Juve. But again, they probably need to go for another little spell, spell of transition. Um, you know, with Dybala coming in, he's, he's young, but he's been very good. Mm. Uh, injured tonight, which is a massive miss. It's just going to be... I, I just, I'm looking forward to watching this Juve team in, in the coming years because they're just going to get better and better with Pogba or without Pogba. Big result, of course, for Pep Guardiola. We've talked before on the podcast about how his tenure at Bayern Munich might be seen as a failure if he does fail to win the Champions League this season. It looked like he was crashing out of the competition, but he pulled it back, made the right substitutions, Dave. Obviously got his players fired up and motivated. Yeah, I think it's, it's the reaction that Pep's got to be, he's got to be credited for. Um, you know, at half-time they looked, they looked gone. They looked absolutely gone. So the reaction he got after half-time, you know, the uh, attacking uh, sort of potential that he increased slowly, you know, bringing on Kingsley Coman, um, for Champion Alonso, yeah, that's that's ballsy and that's that's good. Questioned on Twitter at the time. I don't know if it is ballsy though, because actually I think that um, Alonso struggles sometimes with very aggressive midfield attackers, and he finds it difficult to shepherd them. I, I think essentially they were taking away that uh, that threat, and I think they were right to do it. I think the really interesting part though is the contrast of what Wenger did. On 44 minutes, defensive midfielder for defensive midfielder when he needed goals. What Pep does, brings on another attacker and they end up playing like five up front, mm. two in midfield and three at the back. So, you know, again, credit to Guardiola. And then bringing Thiago on as well, you know, back in the game, get that control back. And obviously Thiago came up Trump scoring the crucial third goal. So Bayern Munich are through. The other team who are through from tonight, obviously Barcelona, mm. beating Arsenal 3-1 at the camp. Now, Barcelona, Arsenal actually played well. They played well. They, did you say they Barcelona? yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, Arsenal actually, uh, sorry, Arsenal actually played well. They made some chances, maybe not clear cut chances, but the difference was obviously Barcelona next level when they made their chances. Especially Suarez, they they took them. I think it's, it's that sort of the clinicalness of that thrump three is unbelievable. You know, it's it's world, it's off this, it's out of this world in a way. How the, how well they can take these chances again. It gives them great. Yeah, it really does. You know, every single one of those finishes, you'd say if you put an Arsenal player in those positions, they probably would have missed all those chances. Mm. Again, Danny Welbeck had a few chances, a cracking tackle by Mascarano on Welbeck. Awobi got into the box, which potentially tripped. You know, a question on that whether the penalty, but it shows the the difference in quality and difference difference in class. But this Barcelona team is miles and miles ahead of this Arsenal mm. team. When this Arsenal team should be, you know, with the money they spent, their players that they brought in should be a lot closer than they actually are. A lot of frustration, Lawrence, uh, as always, among Arsenal fans. I mean, since we last spoke What's on the you? podcast, they got knocked out of the FA Cup, of course. But it does seem to be this sort of weary frustration that, I mean, again tonight, knocked out in the round of 16. Yeah, but not a, a different kind of knockout. I mean, you mm. can't expect to go through against Barcelona. You know, the, there's very few <laughs> sides that really shame. Com- they the didn't dif- really compete, though, That's part say. of it, is the yeah. differences, the reasons why they didn't compete, and maybe some of the tactical uh, shortcomings basically for Arsenal. So I think they could give it in before the tie, right? They were starting lineup and whatever wasn't or was he, his first team. Or was he so. looking to trial things and looking to try things out? I mean, if, if you. The problem is they were still in the tie and uh, with the initial team he fielded didn't look like what? It was going to compete? Yeah, you tell you, the, the competitive element there, the level of potentially some of the players that he started, it's not really. Again, injuries. El Nene and Flamini starting in the middle. Yeah, that would be a criticism. Is probably the biggest criticism, isn't it? Yeah. Because it, it changes the shape of the midfield. And also. Who's the driving force? Who's, who's driving force? Who's dictating? Also, just who's the inspirational player in there? Mm, you know, yeah. There's no Cthulhu in there. There's no uh, Arteta, even. You know? Well, I mean. Ramsey, you'd say. That, uh, yeah, or Ramsey. Won. But you know what I'm saying? Like, at least with Arteta. I know Arteta's not at his peak of his powers anymore, and they won't yeah. use him. But. At least with Arteta, like there was some mm. sort of drive and control to the game, and they don't seem to. Have, neither of those players, none of the players, controlled it. Mm. Do you think Arsenal's season is now over, Dave? I mean, they're eleven points behind Leicester with a game in hand, admittedly, out of the Champions League, out of the FA Cup. Are we going to see Arsenal fighting for fourth once again? I don't think we'll see them fight. I think they'll comfortably. I don't think the top four is going to change. Really, I feel 
that they are the most consistent teams of a very inconsistent league. But it is interesting that again they failed in Europe. They failed uh, domestically. I the champ, but the thing with the championship, you know, the Premier League title, it's in a way it's still open. I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal went on to win it. I wouldn't be surprised if City went on to win it. I still really? think those top four, the top four sides, still think they've equally got a chance to win the league. Any of those go on a big run. That's the thing. I think it's they've all got tough games to come. And if, especially Leicester City, their running is disgusting in a way. They've got to play Man United, Chelsea, and uh, Everton in the last three games. So it's still open. But Ever, uh, sorry, Leicester City, they do look at the moment like they they are they're pulling in championship winning performances in a way. You know, the one nil wins. The gritty wins. Mm. And that's what it looks like at the moment. They're pulling that off. Um, a few comments on Twitter. Um, Farron saying, this game was over when the draw was made. I don't know why people gave Arsenal even a thought of winning against Barcelona. Um, Faruha said, there was no need to park the bus for 45 minutes when you were 2-0 up. Just play your normal game. I assume he's referring to Juventus on that one. Um, will, a healthy Bar- will a healthy Bayern Munich win the Champions League? Uh, Nico says on Twitter, Dave. Um, obviously, Bayern Munich have had their injury problems at this stage of the season in the past few years under Guardiola. This year, they, they, you know, they, they, as I said before, the changes were really big. The changes were good, but uh, it, it's like you can get at them. There's a method now that you can play this Bayern team. If you play, you know, the five at the back and then the, the midfield as has been played in the last few games, it's like that. There's a weak underbelly that if you press them high up the pitch as well as playing a back five it seems like a way to go against Bayern Munich it's going to be interesting though you won't see Man City won't do that against them so if they play City they'll beat them comfortably um, you'd say Benfica or you know all the plaudits I've been giving Benfica I think if they play Bayern they'd probably lose to them um, I think they need to you know a, a tactically flexible side like Juventus that's why it's quite a, really interesting that Juventus did lose this ties because that's how you'd want to play against Bayern Munich is a tactically flexible side that can play a back three, a back five, a back four. So it's going to be really interesting to see the next leg. Again, what we all want to see is Barcelona, Bayern. Mm. What's the interesting side is, um, obviously Bayern look, you made the point tonight in the live stream, Dave, Barcelona's defence looked really uncomfortable. But again, but they were missing the main man in Gerard Piquet, who was going to be back, right? I think Barcelona need to become, uh, what I mentioned on the live stream, again, going back to that great show, go and check it out, is um, <laughs> more of that they need to defend as a unit again. Neymar needs to stop being lazy. Ooh. I feel that he, again, a great performance from him going forward, but he has to do his work rate. Doesn't try back. He's lazy. You need to, I think you, you don't want to defend in a, in a four with three central midfielders in front of that's not enough. You need another one of your, you know, if you're playing a four through three, you need another one of your. You need one of your forwards to trap back. It doesn't matter. You can rotate it. You can can rotate it, but it's better to have one player that is going to make that second bank of four. Because if you don't, then it leaves three players to cover a whole pitch, which That's is too much. Is but yeah, but then the thing, the good thing with Suarez is that he presses from the front, which is good. But then you also do need you need the the duality of being able to press and and sit back, and that's what they had so well last season. Rakitic out wide right, and then Neymar wide left, and they didn't have that tonight, which was a bit frustrating looking at them. Really good point, Dave. We also had the previous night Manchester City going through. They drew nil nil. Uh, not too much to mention about that game. It was, it was called one of the worst qualifying <laughs> games of all time. It really was a terrible match. Apparently, it was the first time in years that it's happened that there's been two nil nils. It was terrible in the Champions League on the same night. Yeah. Um, but Manchester City, the probably the one thing to note is the injuries they suffered. Vincent Company out again. Looks like Otamendi's got a knock. He's not going to be out for too long, but could affect them in the title race, Dave. Oh, that's it. I lumped on 20 quid a few weeks ago stupidly on Man City because I thought that they finally clicked <laughs> together with company coming back but now he's out so I might as well put that betting slip in the bin um, it's just weird this Man City team on your local rivals winning the league yeah. so in football make money. I only make bet money. when I like kind of think this is going to go so like for example Barcelona last season I put a bet on them in January to win the Champions League because they started structures to look really good about 140 quid I think from a Ooh. £20 bet which is decent for it. Barcelona. That's why you know you look at the odds, you look at the you look at the whole thing. You don't just well, look at one thing. Similar to um, won quite a lot. Of, I think I put a two pound bet on Wigan to be in the uh, UEFA Cup the first season they came up. Well, now he's just boasting. Did. But anyway, boasting. sorry, we're going. <laughs> we're going. We're going away from the point. Yeah. Well, the other game, of course, was um, uh, Atletico Madrid yeah. winning on penalty, a bit of a penalty masterclass. At the end of the day, against PSV Eindhoven, yeah, ended up 7-7. Mm. I'm making it 8-8. Eight, eight, it's quite quite interesting. Um, Oblak, the uh, Atletico goalkeeper. Yeah. For the last like three or three penalties, he just stood still. Yeah. 
And maybe psychologically, that put it in the mind of the PSV player, Narsin, that stepped up, that was actually brought on to take forever. There's a lot made out of it. Narsin was brought on instead of Luke, Luke De Jong. It's got to score it. But it, psychologically, it's quite interesting because if you think that the goalkeeper's, you know, the goalkeeper's gone down the middle three times in a row, so you think he's going to do that again? Or do you think he's not going to do that? I think, that got into, I think it got into his head. But that shows there what you've got to do is make a penalty unsavable. So, yes, uh, correct. Uh, and that's the issue there. Yeah, that he didn't he didn't make it unsavable. He hit the bar. He didn't get it on target yeah. technically, uh, and it's an issue. You've got yeah, it was he was off target the bar. Um, yeah, but the game was rotten. It makes for a great draw. Yeah, mm. I mean, so with the there's teams a video in that. <laughs> there is a video in that. So the teams we got through now, um, we've got Bayern Munich obviously after tonight. <laughs> It's as if you're, you're just thinking out loud. Yeah, yeah like I'm it. just thinking out loud. Like just trying to give you, just trying to give everyone in the world YouTube video ideas. Adam. So obviously we've got Bayern Munich through now, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Manchester City, Paris Saint Germain, Benfica, Real Madrid, and Wolfsburg. Early shouts for who's going to win it without the draw being made. Obviously yeah, there could be some very tasty ones in there. Dave says Benfica. Why Benfica? I like Benfica. I just like the structure. They're very good. Press well. They've got a lot, lot of players that are like come into their primes. They create Jonas up front. Behind Cristiano Ronaldo and the European Golden Boot race, one goal behind him. Again, which is quite interesting. How just to take you completely out of our context, that we all love a tangent here. Um, so, if you, how the Golden Boot works, obviously you get multipliers based on the league you're in. So, like the Premier League, uh, La Liga, Bundesliga, they get like a times two multiplier. Right. So do Portugal, mm. which is quite interesting. And Liga only gets a one point five multiplier. So, if Zlatan was in the race, he'd be joint with Ronaldo. But because he's plays in Liga that's probably quite similar to the Portuguese league you'd say in terms of quality that's interesting this is you know complete subplot to the actual plot of Benfica winning the, the league uh, you know I think the midfield's very good balance they've got a ball player Samaris and uh, a good box box player but then Nicolo, Nicolas Gaetan been directly involved in more goals than any midfield in the Champions League this season and again he's been linked to Man United for years and years and years and years and years uh, consistency wise he's in and out injuries but this season he's started to really kick on he looks like a threat he, he was a he was Man of the match against Zenit. He scored a goal, got an assist. Was a threat going forward, crossing on the he, left-hand side. But is he, is he going to fire Benfica to the Champions League? Then? Yes. So yes, he is. One thing I would say, Dave, having mentioned tangents here, Man City in drawing last night cost the coefficient. Oh, yeah. That, I didn't, I didn't think about that, I? Yeah, it cost... I mean, Jonathan Wilson tweeted it cost the coefficient 0.125 points. Nice. But even then... Solid. How much did Arsenal cost? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the point, though, is that, that they're less because uh, they lost against right. uh, Barcelona. Higher but opposition. losing to uh, Kiev is a... Terrible. The kind of good thing then for... Obviously, I wanted Juventus to win tonight was then Juventus losing, right? Because they mm. lost to... Um, by Munich potentially Juventus may have been ranked ahead of them obviously their performance in the Champions League well they might not have, they probably not have been actually if you think about the last few years no, but really obviously they, they, like we said before Arsenal wouldn't have lost as many points as Juventus have lost it do lost we tonight. or do we not want to see Man City drawn against Bayern Munich in the next round we absolutely do oh, no, you want to see Pep Guardiola peeled in half <laughs> Pep versus Pep um, what, what do you make of PSG because obviously uh, well, they did go through um, against Chelsea, uh, relatively comfortable, you'd say. But do you think this is a team that's got any chance of actually winning this competition? It's something that's been an aspiration of the team for a few years now. Zlatan in his last season at the club, never won the Champions League. Could be a nice sort of ending for him there. I feel that he, obviously Zlatan this season, thir- been directly involved in 38 goals, 27 <sighs> goals and 11 assists. He's, He's been the player. absolute focal point, but... It's a very poor league this season. There are a lot of teams that you usually are competitive. Exactly. Marseille are sitting in like 12th place and Lyon are in 4th or 5th. Uh, but what you'd say with that PSG team is they, uh, I feel that they, la- they, they lacked before this season a player to change the pace of it and now they've got Di Maria in that they do have that. But that's, that's good. They play like a 4-3-3. That's good on one side of, of Zlatan. Zlatan's going to play through the middle. But I, I worry that they've got this other side where the Cavani comes in mm. who's obviously a forward. Or it's Lucas. I'm not too keen. I'm not too keen on that option of, of either of them. I'd rather see Cavani, Cavani through the middle. Uh, but I feel they don't have a different on the other wing to Di Maria. They don't have a difference maker. And with the the, the sort of slowness of their midfield with Thiago, Motta, Verratti, uh, they're very slow on the ball. They're very Italian. So I feel they need more difference makers before they can really, really go. A few comments before we move on to a little Europa League chat. Oh, good. Uh, we've got one here from Faruha. Why did Allegri park the bus? when his team were comfortable with the flow of the game. It's a great question. They had good players it? to not park the bus. That's what Farouha reckons. 
Dave? He parked the bus in the right way, didn't he? I think the thing that he lost was his <laughs> substitutions that he made and how the press stopped. They were pre- When we, we, we jumped in at half-time, we, we, started the, we watched the first half of the Bars game. When we jumped in at half-time, they were still going. They still were energetic. They weren't mm. letting Bayern have it in the final third. Mm. As the game wore on, they got, they got tired. Of, you know, when they get, come to the 80 minutes where they're still leading two goals to nil. But I feel that yeah, the substitutions were a bit were wrong and the shape didn't change enough for me. The shape didn't adapt again. Potentially what he could have done, uh, or 80 minutes, uh, you know, could have gone to a 3-5-2, put another striker up to give them give uh, Bayern Munich another thing to think about on the counter-attack. So they can't throw another player forward and you get on the But the issue there, who they have on the bench with Dybala injured. Mm. They have Striker-wise, that's well, the issue. Well, no one really to bring That's in. the problem. Yeah. There's a, another comment here saying, from Nico, saying, would Juve have won if Dybala played? Yes. That's interesting. I think really so. Really? Wow. Yeah. I think maybe... No. I mean, uh, my point would be the win was really taken out of their sails. Yeah. So they would have had the option to counter-attack, but I also feel like Bayern Munich really turned it tonight. Yeah. But I feel with, with that, I think that the good thing that happened with Dybala suspended was they went to this system that yeah. Tufel played whether they meant to play, whether Allegra had set up I think he kind of did set up like that to be quite that. honest yeah, yeah. I think it, I mean, he did go for it he did play this system I think he went for the, 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 the four the, sorry the five four one he yes. made to play that system but what he could have done there is he could have brought on Dybala on for Morata mm-hmm. and given him even more a go mm-hmm. on the counter-attack and Dybala and Pogba their link-up sometimes or Dybala to do work alongside Morata and leave Morata on as, yeah, just as a hold-up so that's what I mean of, so yeah, to, yeah okay. to, 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 to when the you know 80 minutes then go then make the change yeah, yeah. but it, obviously you've got to keep your legs in midfield with Storaro coming on and for Quadrado um, so it's very difficult but he just it's like he played his chips a bit too soon I think yeah and you also would hope that players can last a little bit longer I feel like yeah he kind of took them, he, he broke off a little bit too early. Yeah, and Juventus lost their legs very quickly yeah. in extra time, you know. Yeah. They, but they, they, they'd outworked Bayern, essentially, because mm. Bayern, it, when Juve sat back with the two goals, Bayern didn't have to work for the ball. Mm. They just, just had to back. move it quick. Yeah. And that's not as draining as working to win it back. Yeah. Well, that is an interesting comment here from Solomon, at Herr Solomon, the great main guy. man. Thank you for your question. Yeah, great guy. Um, he said, FCB Juve was thrilling, but it did shed light on Bayern's flaws. Pep needs to find a way to make the defence work without Boateng. And this is, I think that's the it. Like he's, he's gone too far. He just has gone too far. He's gone too far. He's gone too far with he's his philosophy. I really do think he has. You know, um, I'm sure later on when we talk about our tactics with the, the, the guest, uh, we'll go into this in a bit more detail, but I feel he's just gone too far. Well, um, another quick question Great here trail. from the main man, Varun Joshi. Players desire a transfer to Barca or Real Madrid etc because of their history is there any other team that can achieve that status I feel that it's a bit fake in a way you'd say that hollow hollow very hollow there's a lot of clubs in European football that have great history Liverpool Manchester United AC Milan are the big one in Italy Juventus I feel that it's just because I don't know why it's become like this it's weird like for example when Ronaldo was growing up Real Madrid weren't anything special. Oh, but Dave, they, well, they actually, do. Have, yeah. That's probably a load of rubbish. Actually. That's, well, that was two, probably like two thousand one, where they were quite good. So I suppose, but they it, were at the same time they weren't the most special team in the world. I'd say yeah. that it feels hollow the the Real Madrid side of it. Going to Real Madrid doesn't guarantee you any sort of success, despite the amount of money they play, because it's quite a dysfunctional club. But I would argue, it, I'd argue it's who's better at PR. I think Barcelona are very aggressive of their PR. It doesn't mean, I mean, they've done it, they've done a lot of things right, much, mm. but at the same time, uh, they've also benefited from uh, essentially the PR of Cruyff and people sort of really eulogising about him as a man and a player. But Cruyff, you look Cruyffians, at that, as they're known. Cruyffians. Cruyffians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you look at these two teams now and you're like, oh, how many European Cups have Barcelona won in the last but 10 years? I think the big thing with that is you as a player of, a, of any age of any uh, talent you've got to know you've got to think about not just if I'm going to move to this big giant and it's, if you're going to f- are you going to fit in of course yeah is the style complementary to me for example as a target man yeah Barcelona are the best team in the world but why would you want to go to Barcelona as but, a target man but, well I mean also Dave the point would be uh, with, with a lot of those guys they want to move to challenge themselves and see if they can fit in with that but there's definitely other ways they can I think there's other ways that they could 
push on, for example, you know, you go to Juve as a target man. Absolutely, Dave. I also think yeah. that in time we'll see uh, that that will come about. It's just that right now the trend is to go to those big yeah, sides. Yeah, just... uh, you know, Dortmund bucked that trend to some extent, Liverpool, but a lot of teams have bucked that trend down the years. Yeah, which and is good. I think Dortmund's a good one, but it's, it's weird how they, they did lose all their star players. It's meant, I, I find that really confusing. If they'd all stayed, they would have won the yeah. Champions League. I, on Back on Barcelona and Real Madrid as well, of course, there was interest in both Suarez and Neymar from... Real Madrid. Now we don't know how concrete it was. And Messi. Well, there you go. Three bids but made for Messi. I think the fact that Neymar That's so scummy. Isn't the it? fact <laughs> that Neymar and Suarez did end up going to Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, does speak volumes. But anyway, let's move on to a bit of a Europa League chat. Yeah. Obviously tomorrow night or tonight, I should say. Yeah. Uh, judging by when this podcast is actually going to go up, you guys are off to Old Trafford. Wednesday sometime. In the world, it probably yeah. will be hopefully. Uh, you guys are off to Old Trafford yeah. to watch the game. Sorry, you're not coming as well, Adam. Like, no, I'm saying you know, this to you. I'd, I'd love to go invite, together. We've never been to the football yeah. together, have we? The football? No, we haven't. No. No. One day, but, but we will. Now. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. we'll go when there's a triple threat match when they they make a pitch into three or hopefully, three goals. Or hopefully, Dave will end up going to see England. Or we'll end up going to yeah, England. Or we'll just end up sort of. You see, nice I think I think we should. I think I think I'm not a massive fan of England. Aren't they? Nor am I, Dave. But that's I my think, whole reason. Think, is we so can so trivialise over the thing, it. right? So what about right? What the whole dynamo dress. Give us a team Ooh. in the Euros and watch them. to go and watch them. Ooh. That's a good one, Dave. Don't say England. So um, I'm I'm already going to Albania versus Switzerland. So are you, Dave? Hopefully not those two clubs. That's really, a really great match, though, because I mean Switzerland is full of Albanians. There's quite an interesting subplot to there. Two brothers, Zaka, oh, who God. you know, two brothers. Uh, anyway, but no, I reckon the whole tweet us which like team should we support? I'm definitely taking Albania because my girlfriend. Let's let's take a let's take a not like right. a we don't want to be like I a like German. Adam's taking Ireland. Yeah, I could take Ireland. The girlfriend's Irish. I'd so take Ireland. I'd the girlfriend Ireland. is Irish. Oh, O'Brien. And yeah. Dave is taking... O'Brien. Dave's taking Belgium. No. O'Brien. <sighs> Swiss. My, um, grandma, my grandma's Swiss. Yeah. yeah On tomorrow night, right. the front two are going to Old Trafford. Yes. Both going to see the game. Um, Liverpool currently... <laughs> two, <laughs> cheers in, as, cheers as, as I said that. <laughs> so obviously Liverpool uh, two new up, as it stands. Not looking great for Liverpool now, but he has come out today and he said... We owe the fans a performance. He's day. played it perfectly. Now, He's do you... played a blinder of a piece of PR there. Has he? Has he not set himself up for a massive fall? Why? Well, no, because now <laughs> none of it is on him. If they if they don't put <laughs> in a good performance, players. if they don't put in a good performance, then they go, oh, yeah, oh, it's the players. If they do put in a good performance, what man motivation? Mm. So what's happened the last three games, right? There's been nothing. No bite, no swagger, no nothing. That you're, not Watford, excited, you're not excited for the game, confident. Watford, West Ham and Liverpool have been some of the most... And Mitchelland at home and Mitchelland away. Just no, no fight, no passion. It's just disgusting football. Like nothing. You've got to give something there, right? Whether, whether you like get a red card and you get sent off and you're all dead aggressive, whatever, I don't care. I'd rather well, see that than nothing. Matter. Don't care. So I, I hope tomorrow, whether we, yeah, we win or lose, we just show passion and fight and we want to win this game. I think you, that's the thing. I'm afraid you'd, you'd, you'd expect Liverpool to win it. They've found some four. Like, well, they United need to score four goals for me. It needs, United need to score four goals. Because Liverpool, only, you think, are definitely going to score. Liverpool are definitely going to score one goal because United's defence is like a piece of paper in a way I've, you know it's, there's no brick wall there okay. I thought you meant A4 yeah, well so uh, in terms of four goals under Louis van Gaal that's happened four times in his two and a half years Liverpool, so it's not looking yeah. likely Liverpool finally found some consistency now so that was a good, good paper joke sorry can we just in other words, that oh, was a on. great paper joke it was fine it was a four a four like A4 mm. yeah there's, there's, there's A4 yeah, um, Liverpool yeah, that's a great paper joke found some consistency yeah looking My decent parents send a paper shot to the way blue paper teller you two new obviously looking good yeah happy ready yeah. for the occasion but there's obviously the big there's who, there, there, uh, Adam there's who doing this there's who doing this tie what is there because down the years there have been some big results and Liverpool fans are nervous at this point because go away to Old Trafford sure I'm in a platinum land sure but the problem with that is he's not bragging I'm not bragging I'm just, no all I'm saying is we're taking the hole with us we're going or to sneak them in and we're going to get we're going to do a little well, bit that does relate to, there was a question someone just said when is there going to be a front free Snapchat and I don't think there's any better is there time any better to, time to launch a Snapchat than Andreas Pereira not the oh said, uh not football related, but when will there be a front free Snapchat? I think maybe tomorrow night. 
Tomorrow night might be the night to start our Snapchat. Yeah, I think it's snap o'clock, mate. Dave, if you and I are snapping from different ends of the ground, oh, there could yeah, be some log real snapping. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, it's a bit annoying. So if I'm logged in account. and he is logged in? Yeah. Why? It'll log, it'll log him out. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Snapchat's not quite Snapchat's not, listening. It's, Snapchat's not it's, quite up on the social media side of things, is it? But anyway. um, all, all I'm saying is I think, yeah, Liverpool's got a Liverpool great chance, um, you know, they're talking positively, whereas United are speaking from a negative side, just playing we're, up. We're the underdogs. Yeah. Which Incredibly. Is it, yeah. Rise of a champion, that's what I'm, that's all I'm saying. The, the mark of how far they've fallen. Um, the other game, obviously, is Tottenham. Yeah. The big boys. Three nil down. You're Den the underdogs. <laughs> are you? Very much the underdogs. Yes, I think we are dead and married. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what team Maurizio Pochettino yes, come, puts out. So. come under uh, some criticism for the last game. Obviously, starting... Tom Carroll and Ryan Mason in that sort of yeah. midfield pivot didn't exactly work out. Uh, we were a bit, lacking a bit of steel, I'd say, <laughs> in midfield. Lacking a little bit of steel. But uh, he's sort of talking now about revenge and, you know, it's similar to LVG talking about the need to put in a performance. Um, I'm tempted to say he's going to rotate again because I think, yep. you know, obviously all the focus is on the league. Um, so, you know. It's I'm one of those things where the league's for Tottenham fans of course you know, don't get me wrong the group league is a great competition and it should be won but there's a real chance for you to win the league all so about that league um, that Prem thing let's move on then to the talking point Dave so we had a lovely oh, this little is a chat good one. I'm sorry to have missed this a lovely little chat with Athanasios Terzis who has written a number of works tactical analysis of a number of the top clubs and the top coaches in the modern game yeah, well, his books are absolutely fantastic. The well, the one that I've picked up, um, I'm going to buy a lot more of his books because they're brilliant, was the, the Barcelona under Pep Guardiola. And it was just fascinating. It was so interesting to to look, to look sort of see someone's analysis of, of watching each of the games, how they play against different systems, the, the collective movement. It was a big thing. Of, like Tactically, I thought I knew quite a bit before reading this book, but after reading this book, I was like, wow, this is big in terms of... A team moving together and a team moving in cohesion, and it opened that sort of uh, you know you've got to read as a, as a person because it opens your mind up to read. Uh, to philosophies and, and so forth. But it was so interesting to see the collective movement. That was a big thing that I got from his books, and it there you know definitely I'd go buy them if I were you. I think the interesting thing about this chat is we're talking about Pep Guardiola's approach at Barcelona. Uh, we're talking about Antonio Conte's at Juventus, Jose Mourinho's at Real Madrid, and of course Jurgen Klopp's at Borussia Dortmund. All four of these managers look like they're going to be in the Premier League next season. It's a real clash of styles, a real different philosophies, which makes it so interesting. So enjoy this sort of tactically in-depth chat with Athanasios Terzis. So joining us for this week's Talking Point is Athanasios Terzis, the author of a number of books about tactical analysis and specifically some of the greatest coaches and greatest teams in modern football history. That's right. So, Athanasios, you're sort of known for your analysis. You've sort of been breaking down their style of play, uh, both in attacking and defensive senses, and sort mm-hmm. of designing sessions uh, to coach their style. 
So you've written a number of books on different teams, different coaches, including Barcelona, uh, the 4-4-3 under Guardiola, um, Borussia Dortmund, the 4-2-3-1 under Jurgen Klopp, mm-hmm. and Juventus is the 3-5-2 under Antonio Conte. So let's start mm-hmm. talking a little bit about the Barcelona yeah. 4-3-3. So obviously mm-hmm. one of the greatest club sides of all time, Obviously, this system brought a lot of success to Barcelona. What are sort of the key elements of that system? I first of all, um, I started writing about Barcelona mm. uh, just before they win the Champions League uh, with uh, Guardiola. Uh, I tried to watch uh, all uh, the matches and uh, get the notes uh, out of every uh, situation. Um, luckily. Uh, Barcelona managed to beat Manchester United in this uh, final uh, in Rome, I think, and uh, this uh, book had a great success. Um, well, uh, getting back now, um, I believe that uh, uh, Tiki Taka uh, under Guardiola, uh, the way that uh, was um, uh, performed uh, by this Barcelona was the best Tiki Taka uh, play I've ever seen uh, at, that, at, this, at this time. Um, they were very fluent. Uh, there, there was very fluidity uh, in this uh, team. Uh, they uh, pressed very high up the pitch, and uh, uh, most the most brilliant thing was uh, the negative transition phase. I believe that um, both keeping possession and both uh, um, getting into uh, very fast in this negative transition made them so successful as a team. What I find really interesting about, about that book especially was uh, Lionel Messi's influence on the press. I think you, you sort of go into detail how Lionel Messi is, you know, co- applies the first part of pressure, but it's shifting the opposition into a, a, a place where they don't want to be, where, for example, Barcelona had superior numbers and then they could properly put their press on. Do you feel that Lionel Messi, in a way, is underrated in terms of his defensive work? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, we we may think that uh, Messi does not contribute so much in the defensive phase, but uh, he does what he does in a very special and very um, effective way. Um, by forcing the play towards one side, uh, he creates um, a strong side for Barcelona. So it is easier for the players uh, to move to that side and uh, uh, create this um, and, and numerical superiority and uh, win the ball back immediately. Another interesting part of obviously that Barcelona team was, was Sergio Busquets. Um, you mentioned mm. in the book how he, he's so so good at covering space and uh, you know for example if, if Barcelona are pressing down the right hand side and Alves has been you know he's, he's been beaten uh, dribbled past and how Busquets sort of fits in and slots into that mould it's so so fluid. Do you think that Busquets is is one of the best midf- defensive midfielders ever? Um, I believe so too. I believe so. Yes, um, and uh, he has a great part of uh, this in this Barcelona success uh, because he's the most tactical aware uh, player I've ever seen. Uh, unbelievable uh, how he reads the game and how he reacts uh, uh, fast uh, to every tactical situation. Um, he's um, a coach uh, inside the team, and uh, he can he can. Uh, realize where the gap is and he can feel it immediately uh, and the, the, there is no way for the other team to to find a way to to break down barcelona uh, if sergio busquets is in yeah, obviously uh, the book you wrote is about guardiola's barcelona about that 4-3-3 obviously mm-hmm. now we're seeing luis enrique at barcelona <laughs> and obviously enjoying great success do you see any difference between the two systems? How has Enrique taken it to the next level in some ways, or how has he adapted it? Uh, well, um, I had uh, several analyses of the of Barcelona matches uh, last year uh, here for a Greek uh, website and for my website too. And um, I've seen that uh, uh, there are several differences. Uh, 
uh, differences between these teams. Uh, first of all, um, I don't. Uh, Enrique uh, maybe uh, brought a more passive uh, way of defending uh, than uh, Guardiola. Uh, they could drop uh, deeper and uh, wait for the opponent to come. But um, the great success is that he has three ex excellent players up front: uh, Neymar, mm. uh, Messi, and uh, Suarez are the best the best uh, right now and um, they could win uh, several matches uh, without Barcelona playing well <laughs> really well I believe that um, uh, Guardiola's team were better um, in uh, in a team uh, teamwork um, part but uh, individually uh, these three players uh, can make a lot of difference um, uh, in the match and uh, similarly we're talking about Guardiola the system he had at Barcelona. Obviously, now he's at Bayern Munich and mm -hmm. will soon be moving to Manchester City. Have you watched much of Bayern Munich and have you seen how maybe Guardiola's style and tactics have evolved since he left Barcelona? Um, I believe uh, he's evolved. He he's uh, better as a coach. He he's tactically flu uh, fluent. Uh, he uses a lot of formations. Um, I've seen Matis playing with three five two. I've seen Matis playing with uh, uh, four uh, with a diamond uh, four in midfield. I've seen him playing this season with a four three three. Um, I really like his way. Uh, he can read the Matis. Um, and he can uh, uh, make all the tactical arrangements he needs to to win a match. Uh, of course, uh, they were um, uh, last year they were uh, uh, against Barcelona, uh, and Barcelona really had in very good condition these three players. I believe, um, but uh, Messi is uh, capable of uh, breaking down every uh, tactics um, wow. he can find. He can uh, uh, find in his way. He can find in his way. Yes, he's uh, outstanding. But um, I would like, but the way Barcelona, the way uh, Guardiola plays with Bayern, with all the systems uh, he applied uh, the years he's in Bayern, and I will definitely do this. Dave, what do you make of what Guardiola might bring to Manchester City? Do you think he's going to adapt or, or evolve anything when he comes to the Etihad? I think we'll see, you know, I think we'll see the, the team evolve even further than what he's got. You know, look at the Barcelona team that Guardiola was manager of. You know, there was a number of formations they played in a 3-4-3 and then a 4-3-3. And as was mentioned before, out by Munich, they've gone even crazier. They play in all sorts of systems. At one point, I'm pretty sure this season they were playing a 2-3-5 with five attackers against Hertha Berlin. It was absolutely crazy. So I feel that that's what's going to happen at Manchester City. They're going to they're going to be so so fluid. No, give but give uh, Pep maybe six months. City will be able to transition between all these formations so seamlessly. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I have to tell you that uh, Adam, excuse me for one moment. Yeah. I, I I have to tell you that um, uh, Guardiola uh, can adapt to to his players, and that mm. that's the way that the great coaches should do. Uh, mm. They should see what players are available, and uh, they should. Um, uh, they should create a way of playing which matches the player's characteristics. Uh, I don't see that these uh, great coaches um, are stuck in one formation. They all um, uh, see what the the ingredients and they will uh, uh, they will uh, fix the the appropriate recipe uh, to mm. to these uh, ingredients. So they will uh, create um, a delicious meal. <laughs> That's a great oh, way like to put it. it. I like <laughs> it. Um, speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about Jurgen Klopp then, obviously a manager who is in the Premier League with Liverpool now, but had a, a lot of success at Borussia Dortmund with his 4-2-3-1 his system, which many saw as quite groundbreaking. Talk to us a little bit about why that system really worked for him uh, at Borussia Dortmund. Um, he had the, the the appropriate players to play this way. Uh, I see that uh, in Liverpool uses uh, more the 4-3-3, 4-4-1-1, mm -hmm. uh, I believe. Um, 
but uh, the the most marvelous thing uh, was that he had the um, attacking midfielders who can who could create all of his attacking midfielders the three uh, the three midfielders were very capable of um, of uh, making driving runs towards the inside. Uh, he had very attacking-minded um, fullbacks, uh, Smelter and um, Piszczek, uh, and of course Lewandowski. Lewandowski is uh, for me the best uh, uh, striker at this time. Uh, a player who can play for his team, not for his uh, own, uh, for his, for his, for his, uh, his own. Um, of course, um, they were brilliant in negative transition. Uh, the counter, um, uh, the counter attack, and the uh, counter pressing as well. Um, but um, I've seen that in Liverpool has a lot of ups and downs. Maybe he doesn't uh, have the appropriate players to play the way he wants right, uh, right that, that this time. That is interesting, isn't it, Dave? Because we saw Klopp did somewhat struggle when a few of those key players left Dortmund. He struggled to have the same success. And, you know, as, uh, as Athanasios is saying here, at Liverpool, he doesn't yet have those ingredients <laughs> to make that delicious meal just yet, potentially. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, but I believe that uh, he will have uh, the appropriate sign signings uh, next year and we will see a completely different Liverpool uh, compared to this one we, we're seeing this, uh, this season. That is what a lot of Liverpool fans will be hoping, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, definitely. I think it's... Yeah, the formation, for example, the four-three-three that he's playing at the moment. I think again, yeah, it's because he doesn't have the correct players to have in that system. You know, um, Anathios mentioned the three, the band of three behind Lewandowski. They were so good at creating. You know, Mario Goetze in the hole was so good. If Liverpool can pick up someone like that, bring him, bring him over to Anfield, and then get him playing behind a striker, for me, that would be that would be the start of something brilliant at Dortmund. It has been rumoured. It has been rumoured. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Liverpool fans would love to see that. Um, let's move on a little bit then to talk about uh, Antonio Conte, again a manager who next season we're going to be seeing in the Premier League. Uh, first of all, three-five-two uh, is a very uh, popular system in uh, Italy. Mm. Uh, many teams uh, use the back three uh, formations: uh, three-four-three, uh, f- uh, three-four-one-two, uh, um, all all this stuff. But uh, I believe that. Uh, um, Juventus uh, were very, very uh, effective in uh, defending defend, defensive phase. Um, they could retain always a Spurman at the back, uh, having American av- advantage, and uh, uh, they uh, were very strong and very solid at the back. Um, of course. They have. They had uh, very good uh, forwards and uh, uh, relied a lot on uh, Pogba or uh, uh, relied a lot of on Pirlo. Pirlo is an excellent playmaker, and they missed him a lot. I believe that he could play for one or two years in uh, Juventus and uh, have uh, great success with uh, with them. Um, unfortunately, they lost him, but uh, they managed to uh, to use the same way. Allegri used the 3-5-2 uh, um, last season as a plan B in many cases, uh, together with the diamond uh, midfield, uh, the, four, the four midfield uh, uh, midfielders, uh, and they, they managed to to use it effectively in many cases. Um, how I don't know if Conde will um, will use these tactics in uh, Chelsea. I, I don't know if um, the English players uh, will have this uh, tactical awareness to, to use this system. <laughs> I saw that uh, Van Gaal tried to do it uh, in many times with uh, United, but uh, he he changed it. Um, we, we'll see, we'll see. That's the thing, Dave. We'll is, is, is the 3-5-2 is kind of a formation that really works if you've got the particular players that fit into those moulds. I mean, we're hearing there about how having a back three, you've got those numbers at the back, but your players need to be very disciplined in order to actually pull it off. 
They do, definitely. You know, the reason why the 3-5-2 came into prevalence was to counter-attack playing two up front, playing a 4-4-2. Mm. Um, especially over in Italy, the trend before the 3-5-2 came in as a trendy formation, it was the 4-4-2 uh, diamond. So to completely counteract that, you play a 3-5-2, which means that your wing-backs basically are playing up against their full-backs in the, the narrow diamond. Mm. So it gives you that uh, sort of out, out, out wide. It gives you the cover of having three at the back as well as having these uh, wing-backs that can push up very high. And I feel that's where Juve, they, they were the first team to switch to the 3-5-2 in that league, mm. I do believe. And then other teams have started to clock on and started to play that system. But it was revolutionary. And it was, it's great to hear that you know Lou Van Gaal couldn't play the 3-5-2 in England, potentially, because the players didn't understand tactically what they had to do in certain situations. Mm. But uh, I believe that uh, having uh, three players at the back is a, a great advantage during building up. Uh, most mm. of the teams uh, use uh, two uh, forwards or use one forward and uh, one attacking midfielders. There is always an American advantage at the back, so the team can uh, take advantage of it and move the ball forward more easily. You do it that uh, excellently, uh, mm. and uh, they um, they manage to uh, bring the ball to. Pirlo and Pirlo did the rest afterwards. Uh, but um, I, I love uh, systems uh, with uh, three players at the back. Guardiola used it uh, against uh, Juve also uh, last uh, the first legs match in uh, in Turin. Uh, and uh, they they have this advantage during building up, but uh, they have also the safety of an extra player when uh, they lose possession. They they have always a three against two situation at the back, so this enables them to to defend more uh, aggressively when they lose the ball uh, compared to if they had uh, two against two at the back. Uh, this is a great advantage uh, for uh, for three five two. Uh, sorry, yeah, just a quick question. In terms of Bayern Munich, um, they play quite narrow. Uh, their fullbacks play quite narrow, and then they have the mm -hmm. wingers out wide to play. You know, one v one against their wingers. Do you think that's um, a positive move, or do you feel that you know having a fullback that goes on the outside of his winger, you know, creating mm -hmm. a two v two on the wing, is a better situation uh, tactically than having a one v one? Um, good question. Uh, I saw that it, it is an innovative movement uh, from Guardiola. Mm. Uh, I saw that they that they that it helped them. Uh, it helped Bayern uh, a lot uh, during pos uh, negative transition. Uh, the fullbacks were uh, towards the center, so when they lose possession, they were able in a few meters to to press high mm. up uh, against the, um, the opposition midfielders. Um, and um, as, uh, as regards, uh, if they, they couldn't win the ball immediately, uh, they could uh, drop back in um, a few, uh, running only a few yards uh, and to, to form a, a four-man uh, formation uh, at the back. Uh, if, one, um, if the ball was lost in one side, then the weak side's uh, uh, full-back could drop uh, in about 10 meters, uh, 10 yards, uh, could be, uh, he could create a four-man defense uh, with uh, his teammates, the rest three uh, at the back. Uh, so this was a great advantage for uh, Bayern to, to use it and uh, have a, a lot of possession against uh, Juve. Uh, I believe also that um, Guardiola uh, loves uh, to have uh, his wingers uh, in wide areas. So the the with this created by yeah. the wingers all the time. Um, this helps them to stretch the defense and uh, uh, create gaps between the four defenders of uh, Juve, as I saw in the in the first leg. Uh, so this innovative movement uh, gave them the boost uh, only uh, to circulate the ball, to have um, many options in passing towards the center, if the fullbacks, uh, as the fullbacks were in the center, mm -hmm. and also be very effective in neg negative transition. I believe it worked very well for them. Mm. And obviously we're talking about uh, Conte's 3-5-2 day. Obviously, as I mentioned, he's coming to Chelsea now by the looks of things. Not necessarily a formation you expect him to implement at Stamford Bridge because maybe he doesn't have the players there. You know, we're talking about the three central defenders at mm -hmm. the moment that they might not have those pieces there. I think it's, you know, it's the first point that was mentioned before was, you know, a coach has to use his best assets mm. in a way. You look at Chelsea, you'd say it's, you know, um, William and Azard, if Azard's fit, and Diego Costa. 
So, you know, there's, there's two wide players and a striker. So it doesn't kind of fall with a 3-5-2 in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the centre-halves as well. You've got John Terry, Ivanovic, Cahill, who have been playing in a back four their whole career. So would it be, you know, for them to suddenly play in a back three would be a quite a difficult change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be difficult for them to sort of, you know, learn this new system or potentially if they do get rid of all those players and bring in some new centre-backs, maybe it's the right way to go. Maybe, maybe, yes, yes. Uh, maybe bringing uh, some new players uh, can uh, do uh, fit the system in these uh, players, in these new players. Let's finally it... talk then about Jose Mourinho briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, long rumoured to be taken over from Louis van Gaal at Manchester <laughs> United. Athanasius, your book was about you know the four-two-three-one formation that he sort of was using at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. What are the sort of advantages of how Mourinho uses that formation? Um, one great advantage was uh, the very um, was the, the position of uh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo took a very forward position. He he played as a second striker in many games. Um, luckily for uh, Mourinho, uh, had Alonso uh, behind him, so he could uh, uh, close every gap um, created on this side. Uh, I could see Alonso uh, moving. Uh, sitting towards the sideline to to cover for him for uh, to mark to mark the positions uh, fullback because Ronaldo uh, uh, was didn't want to follow him but uh, this disadvantage in uh, in the de- defensive phase um, was uh, made uh, was turned to an advantage when. Uh, uh, they won the ball. So uh, I remember uh, this Real Madrid being uh, one of the most successful counter-attacking sides uh, I've ever seen uh, due to the fact that they had very good players, uh, Benzema, uh, Ronaldo, uh, Higuain also played for them uh, at this season and they had an excellent player uh, behind them, um, Mesut Ozil, who can uh, make the final pass at the right time. Mm. Um, uh, furthermore, uh, Moreno could um, could read uh, what what should have done with this team. Um, so uh, he made them a very good negative. Um, uh, they performed very very excellently in a negative transition phase. Uh, they were um, close to Barcelona at this uh, um, at this part of the game. I, I remember them very, very uh, attacking-minded when they lose the ball. Uh, they applied high, uh, pressing high up the pitch and they won the ball uh, back immediately. Of course, uh, Mourinho has a more direct way of playing. He doesn't like tiki-taka. Um, he wants um, to his players to uh, create more attack. attack Attempts uh, on goal. Uh, don't don't uh, he doesn't like to pass the ball around many times. Uh, so Real Madrid at uh, this season uh, had a lot of uh, uh, final attempts uh, on the opposition's goal due to this uh, way of uh, playing. Yeah. And of course uh, Alonso was uh, a key player uh, once again. Like Busquets was in Barcelona. Alonso was in Real Madrid, uh, a key player. Mm. We saw how it affected them when he left. Um, Dave, uh, we're talking about how Guardiola is quite flexible and he might bring in a new system at Manchester City. Klopp maybe doesn't have the right ingredients, as we said, for his preferred formation. Conte is probably going to you know, uh, use a different formation from the one that brought him such success at Juventus. But if Mourinho does come to Manchester United, you could sort of see how 4-2-3-1 could work. It's not only a very popular formation, and it's one that a lot of managers and coaches use. But United could have the pieces in place there uh, for it to work. Yeah, I'd say that they, they, they lack a, a core. They lack um, probably another centre-back. Mm. Uh, they, I think two, maybe one or two defensive midfielders. And number 10, if, if um, Mourinho does go for the 4-2-3-1, a number 10 is going to be crucial. Uh, someone that can press. You know, Antoine Griezmann would be absolutely perfect for Mourinho at Manchester United. But I feel Mourinho should go back to his days when he joined the Premier League. When they played a very defensive 4-1-4-1 system with mm. uh, great counter-attacking down the flanks in I am Robin and Damian Duff. I feel they've got the raw ingredients to play that way. And again, 
um, you know, being a good coach, he should take the ingredients, you know, Memphis and Martial, get them on the flanks, get them running at teams on the break and also have a, get a target man on there so they can transition very quickly. That's how I feel United, you know, to win this league, win the Premier League. That's how I feel Mourinho should set up. But I do think that he'll probably go back to the 4 2 3 1 because he has played that for a number of years with a lot of success. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Okay. Um, um, I have to say in this uh, part that um, Mourinho is also a very flexible uh, coach. Uh, I remember him uh, in his days in Porto. He used the diamond midfield mm. and uh, mm. he went won the Champions League. He came to Chelsea and he used the four-three-three and uh, the four-four-two uh, in diamond. Also, uh, when he uh, signed, I believe uh, Sevchenko. Um, he went uh, to Chelsea again. Uh, he, he went to Real Madrid and then back to Chelsea using the 4-2-3-1. He will find a way to uh, to create successful team. Uh, I I believe a lot on I I rely a lot on him. Uh, I believe he he can do the best uh, with the players he have. Mm, let's see if he creates a successful team at Manchester United. Then um, for now, though, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Athanasios. Uh, really interesting tactical analysis there. Thank you very much for coming on the front three. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> very good. If you want to see more of Afanasi. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is work. We'll leave some links in the description so you can check them out. Uh, and we'll see you soon. Okay, bye.